Welcome to the Popish Plotcast. I'm Nate. I'm Jessica. And I'm Mike. We are three lay Catholics who are attempting to share our love of the Catholic Church with others in the hopes that they might be able to develop their own love for being a member of the Catholic Church. We're just trying to live out our charism of friendship and fun and hope that you find this an encouragement in your walk with Jesus Christ in his Holy Church. We hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Popish Plot. I'm Mike, and today's plot is St. Mark. Now, just as a connection, when people don't remember my name, they almost always guess one of two things. If they remember Mike, they just say Mike. If they don't, they will either guess Matt or Mark. So, two things have gotten into their head. They remember the M, you know, Mike, Matt, Mark, and they remember that it's short. Now, most people when they don't remember my name, will in fact guess Mark. And so I've reasoned that this is because they remember not only the M, but there is also a residual K sound. That's why they favor Mark over Matt by at least two or three to one. I know, what does that have to do with anything? Well, today let's talk about the man, St. Mark. We at the published plot have previously urged you to read your Bible. And I say again, please, for the love of all that is holy, become more familiar with your Bible. Read it. Read some commentaries about it. Reread it. I'm not saying that you have to memorize chapter and verse. There's no real point in memorizing something you can always look up. But know the stories. Know the lessons that Jesus is trying to impart to us. Be able to respond intelligently when someone has questions about the faith. And be able to turn to the Gospels as a source of solace, especially in these dark times when we're forced to live without the sacraments. But let's think about this young man. Mark. Now, the evangelist is almost universally presumed to be the young man who in Mark chapter 14 verses 51 and 52 is in the Garden of Gethsemane and with everyone else runs away from Jesus, but with a very curious detail that he was dressed only in linen and then he dropped everything and ran off buck naked. <laughs> now, this is of course a very curious detail, but is it just because, wow, look, a guy running away, buck naked, that's amazing. No. What does Jesus tell us again and again? To leave everything behind and to follow him. And what does St. Paul tell us later? Or rather, what does the Holy Spirit through St. Paul tell us later? To put on Christ. So the symbolism is that this young man, he leaves behind everything, even his clothing. Let's say that he's put on Christ. He leaves even that behind in order to, instead of follow Jesus, to physically run away from Jesus. Such is the magnitude of Jesus's abandonment by all of his disciples. Such is the magnitude of Jesus's abandonment anytime one of us freely chooses sin and breaks his heart. So, as always, the, and we'll get to this at the end, the Christian witness is never to say, aren't we all amazing? The Christian witness is always to say, I'm a sinner. These are the many ways in which I've messed up. And these are the many things which God has forgiven me all the way back to the Gospels. But most of what we know about then Mark, also known as John Mark, is that his family was prominent in the early Christian community. When Peter was miraculously freed from prison in Acts, he went to John Mark's mother's house. Later, Mark, sometimes also called John, because John Mark, is a companion of Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journeys. Don't worry, I will give the I will send Jess the links so that she can list them down in the episode description. You can look them up later. But at one point in their mission, John Mark left. Paul and Barnabas were traveling around on the first missionary journey, and John Mark just skedaddled. Very little detail as to why he left. Maybe it was a constant threat of death. We don't know. Maybe his mom was sick. We, we just don't know. But we do know that later on, 
after the Council of Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas are preparing to go back out. And they have, quote, a sharp contention over Mark. Elsewhere, in uh, the letter to the Colossians, Paul identifies Mark as Barnabas's cousin. So here, in back in Acts, Barnabas wants to take Mark with them. Paul says, no, no, no. He already abandoned us once. I'm not going to take him with me. And despite Paul and Barnabas being such a dynamic duo that some of the pagans thought that they were um, Zeus and Hermes. And always remember, we sometimes think that the early church was only Paul because he wrote so many letters. He was such a prolific letter writer. But the early church was so many more people than just him. And in fact, the pagans thought, if anything, that Barnabas was Zeus, the king. And Paul was Hermes, his spokesman. And so... Paul gets some of the credit because apparently he liked to talk a lot. In any event, they have this division, the sharp contention. I just, Paul, I will not work with this Mark. He had his chance. He doesn't get a second one. And it's, the, the contention is so sharp that this dynamic duo of Paul and Barnabas, I mean, Barnabas had vouched for Paul when he first presented himself to the Jerusalem church. They split over the issue of Mark. Mark and Barnabas go off. They go to the island of Cyprus. Paul picks Silas as his new right-hand man. And they go out and they spread the word. Now, praise God. At some point, there was a reconciliation. Because in um, the letter to Philemon, Paul mentions that Mark is among his companions. And in the second letter to Timothy, Paul at also lists Mark. I was checking all these and I wrote down, no, 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 he, he's asking for Mark to be brought to him. So Mark's not with him, but he's requesting that Mark be with him because he is very useful in serving me. Now, why do I mention all of this? Sometimes we think as Christians that we all have to get along. No, we don't. Paul's a saint, Barnabas is a saint, Mark's a saint. Yet they could not get along at first. There were some times when it was better for them to be apart from each other than together. Now, we could describe this to man's sinfulness. You know, Paul just refused to get along with Mark. But where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So Paul spending more time with Mark could have been an obstacle to Paul. Or it could be that his sharp contention with Barnabas and separation from Mark was a lesson that Paul needed to learn about forgiveness. So there are going to be people in your parish who you just can't stand. There are going to be people in your parish who've, well, again, when parish life resumes, there's going to be people in your life, in your parish, at your work, in your family, who've betrayed you at various points. You feel that you were in a desperate strait and they just left. It's okay to be hurt. It's okay to be mad. Sometimes we have to go through these things in order to learn how to forgive, in order to learn that I really do miss him. I really do miss her. I want them around. This thing that I thought was so important, this thing that broke up our partnership, not so important after all. Or even more important, even more telling, we learned that, no, this thing we disagreed on is truly important. But even more important is that this is my brother. This is my sister in Christ. And I will learn to live with, to work with this person, even with our differences. We do ourselves a tremendous disservice when we just say, it's fine. Everything is fine. Oh, no, no, don't worry about it. It's okay. Yeah, that thing you did that tore my heart out, it's fine. No, moved my camera there. We really do hurt each other. And sometimes, seeing someone else just brings that hurt up again and again. In those times, one of you go off with Barnabas, the other of you go off with Silas. Sometimes you just need to separate in order to heal, to calm down, and then later you can come back and reconcile. But if we always just suppress everything that we're feeling, if we always just pretend that we don't actually have emotions, that we don't have responses to things, all that's going to do 
is make us a lot more dysfunctional and ultimately stand in the way of us being honest with each other. Jesus doesn't tell us just to pretend that everything is fine. Jesus is the truth. So when you're hurt, just be honest about that. I'm not saying always go around and tell other people, I'd be fine if it wasn't for you. Again, you do have to learn to forgive. But as this Feast of St. Mark reminds us, even the greatest saints among us, St. Paul, St. Barnabas, the son of encouragement, St. Mark, the evangelist himself, even the saints don't always get along. So as we try to be the saints that God has created us to be, we won't always get along either. And that's okay because it is in recognizing how we hurt each other, how we fail each other, and how we can then forgive each other that we are more and more conformed to the image of Christ, who is himself the image of the invisible Father. Now, one last note. Let's say you're talking to someone in a conversation, and they make the claim that all the Gospels were written anonymously and the names were just assigned to them later. This is something a lot of atheists say. Ask them about the manuscript evidence. Because although this is a big claim of the Enlightenment and of many scholars, there's no evidence for it. The, the manuscripts that we have going all the way back are unanimous that the Gospel of Mark is always the Gospel of of Mark. People say, well, it, it, he never called himself Mark in the, in the manuscript. Uh, sure, he never does in the verses, but you will not find a single manuscript, no matter how far back you go, that has all those words that isn't titled the gospel according to Mark, or Mark, or the gospel of Mark, some variation thereof. People make the assertion all the time. Oh, the early Gospels were all anonymous. It was just a game of telephone. And then later they put the names on them. But that's a claim that is utterly baseless. You know, the great skeptic Carl Sagan was at least a fair man who said that extraordinary claims demand extraordinary ev evidence. So we've got 2,000 years of Christian tradition backed up by ancient manuscripts that say the Gospel of Mark was written by Mark. And the claim the Gospels are anonymous is a claim without a single piece of evidence. It's a claim. It's an extraordinary claim without any extraordinary evidence. It's an extraordinary claim without any evidence at all. So take heart. The faith is reasonable. The faith is more reasonable than unbelief because at least we've got some evidence. We don't just have, well, I claim this based on what? So until then, remember, forgive each other and have faith in the Gospels. Subscribe to our channel. Ring the church bell to be notified when the next pod is uploaded, which, because it's Easter, will be tomorrow. Give this episode a thumbs up. Comment below with what your favorite gospel is. Who is your favorite person who denies Jesus? Meaning, you don't favor denying Jesus, but the most amusing way. I mean, this naked guy in Mark 14, that's pretty hilarious. And until tomorrow, remember to live your faith, love your faith, share that love. Thank you for listening to the Popish Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Please rate and review us as that will help more people to find the podcast and to join in on the fun. You can contact oh, us at yes. thepopishplot at gmail.com. Find us on the Twitters at thepopishplot. Or you can search for popishplot on Facebook. Please rate, review, and we really do enjoy hearing from you. So get in touch. And until next time, as always, remember to live your faith. Love your faith. And share, share that, that love. love.